Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. All right, good morning. It's good to see you, Eastern Heights family. It's good to be with you. Glad that you are back with us. Several of you enjoyed a good time of vacation together, and uh, we saw all your pictures, and we're all jealous about all of it, and uh, glad that you are back with us this morning to worship the Lord, and I trust that you'll be blessed by being in the house of the Lord today, and I know you will because it's a promise of God that you'll be blessed by being here. If you have your Bibles, find 2 Chronicles chapter 20. All the verses will not be up on the screen today because I'm going to be reading a good bit of it, uh, and so if you have an electronic device with the Bible on it, you might want to get that or your hard copy or whatever, uh, but we're going to be reading a good bit from that because I think it's important that you get the message. But before we dive into that, I want to say a special welcome to any guests that we might have today. Thank you for coming and being a part of Eastern Heights today. I want to encourage you to come next week, as you've already heard, to our Discover class, which is our membership class. You're not obligated to join by coming to the class, but it gives you an opportunity to hear more about Eastern Heights, God's purpose for your life, and God's purpose for your life more specifically through Eastern Heights, okay? We'd love to have you for that. And then we have three follow-up classes that follow on weeks after that. The A, we tell people to take the DARE. The D stands for Discover. The A stands for Apply. And we talk about applying four habits that God wants every Christian to have in their life. The R stands for Recognize how that God has gifted you spiritually so that you can see how you're wired up to serve Him and others through Eastern High Church. And then actually that last class called Explore is actually a coaching session where we explore some opportunities in our church where you can serve the Lord using the way He's wired you and gifted you to serve Him. So we want you to be a part of that process, get involved with that, and find out more about how you can be uh, a servant of the Lord through our church here at Eastern Heights. So today's message is interesting. You remember last week we started this series on prayer called Prayer That Works, and we found out that 90% of all Americans across the board pray at least weekly. We found out in the church that 83% of Christians prayed at least week, weekly back in 2010, but in 2020 that had declined down to 69%. And I said, I believe why that number was declining is because too many Christians are praying prayers that just don't work, all right? And when something doesn't work, after a while, you just kind of give up on it, right? And so I said, in this series, we don't want to just talk about prayer and learn a little bit more about prayer. We really want to learn how to pray prayers that work. We want to be the kind of church that prays, you know, as a first response instead of a last resort. But, you know, the, the good news is, well... First of all, I challenged you, right? I challenged you a little bit to put this into practice. I asked you to make prayer a priority last week. I said, when you first get up and your feet first hit the floor, I wanted you to pray a simple 16-word prayer, right? And that was, good morning, Father. I give you this day. Use me to serve you and others. Amen. All right? And so that was a simple prayer. And so that's what I prayed every day, except for one day I forgot. I forgot to do it as soon as my feet hit the floor, but as soon as I started pouring my coffee, I remembered. And so I said it then. But I hope that little exercise helped you because it really helped me to make prayer more of a priority all through the day, every day last week. And didn't we not have enough to pray about last week? A lot of stuff going on, right? And so we had plenty of material, all right, for prayer, and we just needed to make it 
a priority. We also said last week that for a lot of us, too many of us in fact, that prayer is nothing more than a 911 call to God when we've exhausted all of our own resources and nothing is left in our tank, right? We'll finally turn to God. But the good news about that is this, God still hears our prayers, even if it's a last resort instead of a first response. God hears our prayers. He answers that 911 call. Like all 911 calls, he, or most of them anyway, he responds, right? God always responds. And so that's the message that I wanted us to really see today. And I wanted us to dive into a prayer that worked. I wanted you to see one that really worked so you'll know that you can also pray prayers that actually work and move God to respond. And so to do that, we're going to be in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We're going to be looking at a prayer of a king by the name of Jehoshaphat. But first of all, I want to give us a little bit of background about it uh, so that we'll know where we're coming from. And, and you'll remember from a couple of months ago, we talked about how back in the Old Testament days that God would appoint judges to be over different uh, nations and, and they would rule. And it always followed this same cycle where the people, they would be loving God and serving God, but then they'd be tempted to sin, would give them a new king, and then they would turn back to serving the Lord and everything would be in good shape again, right? Well, that's exactly where we pick up our story here today. God's people had fallen back into sin. They were no longer serving him. And there was another king involved by the name of King Ahab. And what happened was King Jehoshaphat's son married King Ahab's daughter. Okay? Well, this wasn't good for King Jehoshaphat because he really wanted to serve the Lord. He wanted his nation to serve the Lord, but King Ahab was more interested in serving himself. And it displeased God when these two families joined together, all right? And so because King Ahab, he just wanted to be rich and famous. And it, what happens is when, when King Jehoshaphat joined up with King Ahab, it did make King Jehoshaphat a little bit more richer and a little bit more famous. And I mean, that does affect people, right? It affects almost everyone who finds themselves in that position. Because of the family connection, though, King Jehoshaphat ended up not only getting richer and more famous, but he was also enticed to go up against some cities, to try to take some nations, try to take that land so he could become richer and more famous. And guess whose idea it was? It was King Ahab, right? And so he enticed King Jehoshaphat to join up the forces with him to take over these cities, and this was not the will of God. Matter of fact, God sent a messenger, a prophet, to tell King Ahab, hey, if you go to this war, you're going to die. Well, King Ahab didn't like what he heard, so he had that messenger arrested and put into prison like that was going to make any difference, right? Well, the next thing we see is, oh, brave, brave, brave King Ahab. He comes up with this brilliant plan. He says this. He says, now, King Jehoshaphat, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go out to battle. But what I want you to do is I want you to wear your royal robes to battle. I'm going to dress like a regular warrior, and I'm going to disguise myself like a regular, regular uh, warrior so that nobody will know that I'm the king of Israel. They won't recognize me because I, I won't be dressed in my royal robes. But you wear yours, okay? Now, I'm not sure if King Jehoshaphat was playing with the full deck or not because about right here I've been questioning the game plan a little bit, right? Um, because wearing your royal robe into battle is like getting in a chariot, riding toward the enemy with this big flashing neon sign that says, Hey, I'm the king. Shoot me first, right? Well, it, it wasn't a great plan, but they decided they were going to go out to battle 
together anyway. Well, sure enough, that's exactly what happens. They're riding out to battle. King Jehoshaphat hears the enemy hollering, Hey, there's the king. Let's go kill him. All right? Well, it's right here where Jehoshaphat, prayer became a priority in his life. Okay? He began to pray. That is, you didn't cause the situation because this wasn't his idea to wear the royal robe, right? It was King Ahab. However, you've got to remember, King Jehoshaphat did have part to play in it because he did join forces with him when he knew that he shouldn't. So it, sometimes you can get yourself in the situation. Sometimes somebody else can get you in the situation. But the thing was, Jehoshaphat had sent up a 911 desperation call to God. In chapter 19, verse 31, the Bible says that he calls out. He calls out. Now, here in the South, we, we use another term for that. It's called holler, okay? He hollered, help, okay? And he called out to the Lord. That, that, that's the NST version. That's, that's the New Southern Translation, if you didn't know that. He hollered out for God. And the Bible says in verse 31 that the Lord saved him. Matter of fact, when the enemy recognized that it wasn't King Ahab, the, the enemy actually turned and started going in the other direction where guess who was disguised in his battle gear? King Ahab. And in verse 33 it says, in my translation, the New Living Translation, it says a random arrow went through part of the armor that King Ahab was wearing and that he died at sunset propped up in his chariot. And so the messenger from God, his prophecy had come true, and King Ahab was now dead. And so now King Jehoshaphat, he has the opportunity. He has the opportunity to, to, to put things back on the right track. He has the opportunity to turn the people back to God and loving and serving him, and that's exactly what he does. He comes back and he appoints these judges over these different cities, and he commands them to lead in the ways of the Lord and not to do evil anymore. Here's that cycle coming back again. King Jehoshaphat is the one that's doing it. However, with King Ahab dead, Jehoshaphat's kind of out there on his lonesome, you know. He, he's kind of vulnerable to other armies coming in and invading him because he's not as strong anymore because he doesn't have this alliance. He doesn't have King Ahab's army anymore. And that's exactly what happens. Three armies come to attack King Jehoshaphat. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. And it's going to be a kind of a lengthy reading. It's not all going to be up here on the screen. Uh, but uh, hang with me. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to follow along. Second Chronicles chapter 20. We're going to begin in verse 2. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is, is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazazon Tamar. That was another name for En Gedi. So, these armies are coming, and they're not far off. Verse 3, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to see, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. O oh, our God, verse 7, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. 
Verse 9, they said, Whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. Verse 10, And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt, so they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us. For they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Verse 12. Oh God, oh our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Verse 13. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children... The Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Madaniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. He said that is Jehaziel, listen all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens up into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Are you still with me this morning? Say amen. Yeah, it's a long reading. Okay, stay with me. Verse 18. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same thing, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. They got tired of praying and started shouting. That's a good way to end a prayer, maybe. I don't know. Verse 20. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. And then listen to this, verse 21. Talking about asking for the presence of the Holy Spirit in that last song that we just sang. After consulting the people, the king anointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Do we long for the presence of the Holy Spirit this morning? Because look what happened, verse 22. At the very moment, at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Wow! What a great, great story of God's victory. Amen? I mean, if you want to tell your little kids about a superhero, just read them that story. Tell them that story. It's a great one. 
And as we learn how to pray prayers that work, I just thought you needed to see one that actually worked and why it worked, even if it was a 911 desperation prayer, which is what it was. It still worked. It still helped. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? Well, you take a six-week course on how to pray. No, you got time for that. I know it's not good English, but anyway, you don't have time for a six-week course on prayer. You know what you do? You holler for God. You say, help. Do you know how to do that? Let's try it on three. One, two, three. Help. Let's try it again. One, two, three. There you go. Now you know what to do when you don't know what to do. You just holler for God and say, help. It's simple. You can do that. And so even if you don't think you know how to pray, you can actually pray a prayer that works just like Jehoshaphat did because you know what? You may not realize this, but you're praying to the same God that he prayed to. When he said, help, you're praying to that same God. So I want us to recognize that without praying this prayer this morning, King Jehoshaphat, he was doomed. He was doomed. I mean, he was hopeless. He was helpless. He was outnumbered. His problem was bigger than something he could fix. And that's where many of you find yourselves today. You have a problem bigger than you can fix. You're hopeless. You're helpless. You're, you feel outnumbered. And I want you to understand today, you can pray prayers that work. And most of all, I want you to understand this about praying these kind of prayers. Is that God not only desires for you to live in the promised land, but he fights so that you can. Do you get that? God not only wants you to live in the promised land of today and to enjoy the beautiful things that he has for your life, he fights for you so that you can have those things. So I think there's at least five things, and I'm going to go through them real fast, so you better listen fast, all right? And if you're not taking notes, you might want to jot these things down because these are five things from Jehoshaphat's prayer that worked That'll help your prayers to work too, all right? Number one, recognize who has the power to change things. And it's not you, okay? Recognize who has the power to change things. Verse 3, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. They all came together. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord, and he prayed this prayer. O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. There ain't nobody else here that can help us in this situation. You are the ruler of all the kingdoms of earth. Even if King Ahab was still alive, he couldn't fix this. You are powerful and mighty. No one, no one, not these three armies that are coming after us can stand against you. Have you ever noticed how the size of your prayers kind of depend on the size of your God? You ever notice that? A lot of us are praying itty-bitty prayers because we have an itty-bitty God. And I think God's just up there waiting patiently on us to pray a little bit bigger prayer so that he can do a little bit bigger answering. All right? So realize who has the power to change things. and Realize that prayers that work, you need, you need to understand they work because you may be terrified about your situation, but God's not. Right? God is in control, not you. God is strong. We're weak. God is all-powerful. We, we only have limited 
power. No one or no situation or problem is bigger than God can handle. With God, all things are possible. Prayers at work begin with recognizing that God has the power to change things and to fix the unfixable. So I ask you this morning, how big is your God? How big is your God? Because prayers at work are prayed to a really big God. And maybe that could be your prayer this week. So as your feet hit the floor, all your prayer needs to be is, God, you need to show me how big you are this week because I've been praying little itty-bitty prayers, and I need big God. I got a big situation. God, just show me how big you are. Just show me. So recognize who has the power to change things. Number two, recall God's promises. Verse 8. Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, and then he names a few, such as war, plague, or famine, doesn't matter what your calamity is, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. God's plan from the very beginning was to do life with him. He wants a relationship with us. He never meant for us to go at it alone. God's character won't allow him to leave us alone. Even if it's a 911 desperation prayer, God answers the call. He is always there to hear our cries for help and to rescue us. Prayers that work pray the promises of God. And there are a lot of promises, over 400 of them, as a matter of fact. And you need to start claiming them and praying them. All right, so we recognize who has the power to change things. We recall God's promises. Number three, we need to request things specifically, okay? That's what Jehoshaphat did. First part of verse 12, he said, Oh, our God, won't you stop them? Now, he could have prayed a lot of things. He could have prayed for wisdom to come up with a great battle plan. He could have prayed for God to send more armies to help. But he prayed this simple prayer, God, stop them. And in all, I think he prayed that because he'd already admitted he didn't know what to do. You know, he, he didn't know how to handle the situation, that it was bigger than him. So he just prayed for God to stop them. And you know what? His prayer worked. You know how we know that it worked? Anybody? Yeah, for those of you who can't hear on TV, uh, it's because he stopped them. That's right. Very good. We know his prayer worked because he stopped it. So Jehoshaphat prayed a specific prayer, stop them. God answered the prayer specifically by stopping them, all right? That's the kind of prayers that work is when they're specific enough that when it happens, you know that it was heard by God and that God answered the prayer because God did something you couldn't do yourself. What was impossible now became possible. What was unfixable now got fixed. And all of a sudden you're going, hey, I prayed specifically for that, and bam, it happened. You know, and it had to be God because it's out of my control. But you never know when God answers prayers if you don't ever pray specific prayers because it's like, oh, well, that was a neat coincidence, wasn't it? A coinky-dinky, we used to call it, right? Yeah. No, pray specific so God can answer specific. In Jehoshaphat's case, it was impossible without God. And so God said, just show up. Just show up and then watch me answer your prayer. And that's exactly what happened. Number four, remember. Remember to seek God and not just the answer. You ever done that before? You didn't even realize you were praying to God. You were just looking for that answer. Remember God. Remember God. Remember to seek God and not just 
the answer. Verse 12, the last part of it. We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Now, King Jehoshaphat, he, he's... He's asking God for an answer. He's looking for an answer, but he's doing more than that. He's really seeking the Lord more than anything else because he knows the Lord is his answer, see? And so he encourages us to seek God more than just the answer. And never forget that God's capacity to answer is far greater than your capacity to receive. Did you get that? God's capacity... To give you an answer to your prayer is far greater than your capacity to receive it. So you know what? Don't worry about how big your prayer is. Just pray it and then watch God answer it. Pray it watch God answer it. Pray bigger prayers so that God can get bigger in your life. Prayers that work build on the God of the answer more than the answer itself. So number one, we recognize who has the power to change things. Number two, we recall God's promises. Number three... We request things specifically. Number four, we remember to seek God and not just answer. And then finally, number five, we get to relax in our faith. Just relax in your faith. You ever prayed a big old prayer to God and then went after trying to fix it anyway? <laughs> I've done that. Now, God, I need help in this right here. And then I go on about trying to fix it and to work on it and do it myself and forget all about uh, waiting on God to do his part. All right? Relax in your faith. Look at verse 13. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children. Remember, they called them all together. It was a family prayer meeting time. They all came together. We don't know how long they stood there, but God did answer. And he answered very, very specifically. Remember how he answered? He said, just show up. Just show up, guys. Just like you showed up here today to pray, just show up. Show up tomorrow. Matter of fact, when you show up tomorrow, just show up tomorrow. You won't even have to fight. You won't even have to fight. Just show up and take your positions. And then, what does it say? Stand still. Stand still. To me, that says relax in your faith. Relax in the prayer that you prayed. Relax in the fact that you've asked God for help and that he will help. Stand still and then watch God fix it. And boy, did God fix it with Jehoshaphat, right? I love that. You see, prayers that work, they end something like this. Look at the last part of verse 17. He that is God is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You just holler for God to help, and he will be with you. Now, here's what I want you to do. This is the challenge for this week, okay? Seven-day challenge this week is every morning when you get up, you don't have to get up at four. You don't have to get up an hour early or anything like that. Just as soon as your feet hit the floor, got a little prayer for you. Go something like this, 16 words. Good morning, Father. Show me how powerful you are. Remind me you are with me today. Good morning, Father. Show me how powerful you are. Remind me you are with me today. 
Because you see, since God is strong, you will be strong. Since he is able, you will be able. Since he has no limits, you will have no limits. And I promise you, if you begin praying this prayer every morning for the next seven days, you'll start seeing how big God really is. You'll start seeing how powerful he really is. You'll start praying about things you hadn't really prayed about before, and you'll start seeing God answer some prayers that you thought were impossible. You're going to see some things fixed that you thought were unfixable. God has a far greater capacity to give you answers than you have the capacity to receive them. Enlarge your capacity. Pray bigger prayers. Ask God for help, and he'll help. Let's pray together. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. God, we say good morning to you. And we ask you, Father, today just to show us how powerful you really are. And God, we ask that today that you remind us all throughout this day that you are with us, that you really do fight for us to be able to enjoy living in the promised land. God, we we do have needs. We have things that are beyond our control. Some of us feel very hopeless and helpless today. Some of us have come with situations that we believe to be impossible, but you've promised us that with you all things are possible. And so God, even when we don't get the answer that we're necessarily looking for, you still hear our prayers and you rescue us in your way. And so God, we pray today that we would give those situations over to you. That when we don't know what to do, that we would just cry out for help. Because you are where our help comes from. And so we go from this place in victory today, knowing that you are with us, you are going before us, you are fighting the fight for us. And we claim that victory in the name of Jesus. And all God's people together said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our song of victory as we leave to go out to be the life-changing church God's called us to be. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you and every fear I'll lay at your feet. I'll sing Oh God, the battle belongs to you. So when I'll fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I'll lay at your feet. I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.